I am home by 8. This is great. That's fine, you heathen. I mean, go ahead. Think then. I am kidding. I am kidding. But you have to pick your kids up at 8. That was the only catch to this, was Jason said, you guys are going to be praying to like 8.30. That is not going to work. So I told him, at 8 o'clock, I will recommend parents go back, grab your kids. Acts chapter 8, excuse me, Exodus chapter 8. Now, last week, if you were here, we did the plague of frogs. And somebody who loves me, I hope very much, covered my pulpit in frogs. So whoever did that, I had so many people come up and say, what was the point of the frogs? I, I didn't do the frogs, but the whole pulpit was covered in frogs. And like I joked last week, I sure hope nobody covered my pulpit with lice. Okay? So, continuing our study here through the different plagues. Now, you, I've shared these passages with you before, and it bears repeating. Why is God doing this? Anytime you're teaching or reading the Bible, there has to be an understanding of why is God doing this. The answer is found in Exodus 7, verse 5. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Do you want to know how powerful your God is? Then you have to see what he can do. There's a lot of gods that talk about how powerful they are. Little g, our God shows it. So he's showing the Egyptians his power. It gets so, for lack of a better word, bad, that in Exodus 10, verse 7, the wise men of Pharaoh go to Pharaoh and basically say, Quit! You can't beat this God! Our nation's being destroyed! Let them go! Pharaoh's heart is hard. Won't do that. Have you ever seen somebody you love? I mean, you just love them. And you just see God's hand on their life not trying to make their life miserable, but trying to speak to them. And you're like, just listen to the Lord. And the New Living Translation, there's a great verse in the book of Job, and it translates it so simple. It says, quit fighting with God. Have you ever had a spot in your spiritual life where you were fighting with God? He told you to do something, and you fought him on it. He told you to let go of something, you fought him on it. It's an awful thing. David in the Psalms, when he writes about fighting with God, he talks about being a heaviness that's on him. And it just, it hurts. It physically hurts. It spiritually hurts. It drains you. Your joy disappears. Pharaoh, I believe, is becoming one of the most miserable men that's ever lived at this time. But the Lord is allowing these things to happen, to get their attention. And as we've mentioned the previous two weeks, this lasts for hundreds of years. If you jump ahead... To when Joshua went to Jericho, the people of Jericho said, we know your God. Your God is the God that defeated the Egyptians. Jumping ahead hundreds of years to the book of Samuel, the, the Philistines said, we know your God. Your God defeated the Egyptians. The Lord is using this to show his power to punish the Egyptians for their sin, but to mostly say, I am God, big G, over all God's little g. So, Frogs last week, blood two weeks ago. Hopefully we can do two tonight. Lice and flies. Verse 16. The Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the land so that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Real quick, some of your translations say gnat. So it's the idea of a little bug that's annoying. I wasted too much of my life today deciding whether I'd rather be plagued with lice or gnats. I think I chose gnats. Because lice just sounds gross, but then I start thinking gnats in my teeth. I don't know where to go with it. So anyway, both of them are bad. Verse 17, and they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth, and it became lice on man and beast. Please note something here real quick. Please note. 
This is the first miracle that the Egyptians can't duplicate. And a lot of people believe this is the first miracle that the Egyptians can't duplicate because what are we doing? We're not calling frogs. We're now creating. Because it went from dust to lice. Satan is a counterfeiter, not a creator. Remember that. He will counterfeit God, but he cannot create. He is a created being himself. So what happens here? All the dust of the land became lice. That's a miracle. Okay? I know it's not the definition of miracle we use, like, wow, God, you're amazing. He took dust to lice. That's pretty impressive. Throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice on man and beast. If you remember the teaching points from the last two weeks, we talked about what sin does. Sin makes you do dumb things. Sin makes you work harder. Sin creates a stench in your life. Once again, with the frogs and with the blood, what was the Egyptians' mindset? Hey, let's create more blood. Hey, let's create more frogs. Their great idea here is, let's create more lice. That's what sin does. Sin takes you farther away from truth. Sin makes you do dumb things and makes you work harder in your life and it creates this stench, this aroma. The frogs are dead. The blood stank. That's what sin does. Why would we want more lice? But yet this is what we do in our Christian walk. We go down a path that's hurt us before and then we repeat it again. We go down a path that takes us deeper away from Christ. We repeat it again. And then we really think it's going to get better? I don't know how many times I've done counseling with people. And I'm doing counseling in their life. I'm doing marriage counseling with them. And we have this, this conversation. And we lay out a plan of attack. And the plan of attack is usually really two things. Get your eyes on Jesus and get in the Word. That's counseling. Get your eyes on Jesus and get in the Word. And what happens is we do this. We lay out this plan of attack. I follow up with them a couple weeks later and say, How's everything going? Oh, it's going better. All right, what changed? Really nothing. I mean, are you in the Word? I mean, I'm in the Word a little bit more. I mean, how's your walk with God going? I mean, it's going better. You know what's going to happen to those people in a couple weeks again? They're going to be right back to where they were. Because unless you really get it, nothing's ever going to change. One of the things I've been telling you about is some of these ideas we've had for just vision and ministry, getting back more to what the Bible says, is getting away from something that I call Band-Aid ministry. What's Band-Aid ministry? Band-Aid ministry is you call up the pastor, you're having a rough time, and you have a conversation with the pastor. We talk for a half hour, 45 minutes. At the end of the conversation, you say, I feel better. Thanks for talking to me. I say, I'm glad you feel better. Amen. Two weeks later, we have the same conversation. Two weeks later, we have the same conversation. Why? Because we only put a band-aid on the problem. That's all we did. Real counseling, real ministry is I need to get you deeper with Jesus. And I, and I can't make you. Real counseling, real ministry is I want to see you in the Word. When I look at Jesus, I'm reading through John right now in the Gospels. Jesus never did band-aid ministry. He said, if you want me, I'm here. If you don't want me, I'm going to go to the next town. And how simple is that? But yet, how often do we just, our whole ministry focus is, I want to make that person feel better. They feel better for a moment, they feel better for a season, but it's just a band-aid. We really, they, they, we really want to take them deeper. Bringing this back now to Exodus. Hey, Nile to blood, let's get more blood. Frogs, let's call more frogs. Lice, let's call more lice. 
how is that smart? How is that good? Verse 18, Now the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice on man and beast. Verse 19, Then the magician said to Pharaoh, This, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them. Just the Lord had said. If you're taking notes, we've been mentioning this. If you'd like to write down these different Egyptian gods, this is probably an attack on the Egyptian god of Seb, who was an earth god, taking the earth itself and using that against the Egyptians. But Seb, the earth god. Now, verse 19. This is the finger of God, but Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord said. What are you going to do with that information? When you see God do something, what, what are you going to do with that information? Probably about 15 years ago, there was a situation that popped up out here. There was a gal that was coming to church, and her husband was not coming. So she really desperately wanted her husband to come to church. So he, he finally started coming out, and he had come a couple weeks, and he actually had a prayer. He wanted to talk about something after church. This was a huge deal, this guy to even step foot in church, and then to say, I need prayer. Long story short, he had to go down to a different state. He had some legal troubles in a different state. And he was going to have to go down there and spend some time in jail. And it was not looking good. In fact, it looked awful. And our prayer, our prayer basically was, Lord, help him through this time in jail. And Lord, help her up here with the kids. Well, I started thinking, Lord, wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing if he could go down there with the expectation of jail? but have everything thrown out and he could come back home. The hand of God. Guess what happened? He went down there. Everything got thrown out. He came back. Next Sunday, he's at church. My goodness, you would not believe what the Lord was doing in his life. Three weeks later, he didn't come back. Fifteen years later, he hasn't been back yet. My point is this. He saw the hand of God on his life. I still keep in touch with him. I still talk to him. He saw the hand of God on his life. And he never did anything with it. It's a dangerous spot to be to see the Lord moving in your life or to see the Lord moving in someone else's life and treat it like ho-hum. Church, we are in a dangerous spot when we start seeing God move and it does not move us. That is dangerous, people. When you treat the time in the Word just like, yeah, whatever. Prayer, like whatever. Hey, it's Wednesday night. Yeah, whatever. Sunday mornings, yeah. Oh, so-and-so got saved. That's, that's pretty cool. Oh, that, that doctor report came back good? Yeah, well, amen. My goodness. When we start treating the hand of God, the finger of God, as being mediocre, our heart is in a really dangerous spot, people. Never allow what God does in your life or in someone else's life to become common. If that becomes common, beware. Really beware. These magicians... These magicians are telling Pharaoh, this is God. This is bigger than us. Pharaoh's heart became hard, did not heed them. He's in a dangerous, dangerous spot. Any quick questions, comments here about lice, gnats? Ryan. Yeah. Right. It, it is. And it's an interesting thing, and it goes back to the conversation that we had for the last three weeks. There are some people that teach that this was all uh, fakery. You know, I, my boys are really into magic and watching magicians and card tricks, etc. And, and it's always 
um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like watching a balloon pop when they realize it's not real. <laughs> you know, they're really not sawing the woman in half, guys. They're really not doing that, okay? You know, and so some people teach that this was counterfeit and that they never really did these things. They faked it. There are some that teach, though, that this was the hand of the enemy. And I lean more towards that one, as we've talked about the last few weeks, and Ryan brings up a good point there. What are the limits of Satan's power? I mean, the Bible makes it very clear in end times, Thessalonians in the book of Revelation, that Satan will have lying signs and wonders. He makes it abundantly clear, lying signs and wonders. And I believe he does use that. The Bible says he masquerades as an angel of light. There is a limit to his power. And maybe the limit was God. Maybe the limit was God just saying, yeah, enough. You know what? I let you do a couple things just to let Pharaoh really have a fair test. Now, from here on out, no, I'm not going to let you do this stuff anymore. He's God. He can close the bottle up anytime he wants. You know, and that's what the Lord does. Yeah. And Ryan, and, and Ryan, that is why I love you, because your mind works that way, that your mind is thinking it's more complex to create a frog than create lice, because I know how your mind works. Your mind's turning right now. You're thinking frog, digestive system, circulatory system, heart. You're thinking that, aren't you? Yeah, look at you. I know you are. And you're looking at lice. Lice is simple. Lice is nothing. Frog complex, Correct. And that's how your mind works. See, now for me, I find lice more complex than frogs. Because I, they're little. I can't see. A frog, God love me, I've killed frogs and cut them open. I know what's going on inside, you know? Not complex. Lice, I don't get it and I try to stay away from them. So everybody's mind works a little differently. But that's why I love you as a brother, Brian. I really do. Anybody else have anything here before we move on from lice or gnats, depending on the translation? Okay. Flies. Verse 20. The Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. And as he comes out to the water, then say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, they may serve me. Pharaoh liked to go to the water. Why did Pharaoh like to go to the water? There's a couple different ideas on this. The Egyptians were known as being very clean. Like no body hair, clean. Ritual washings, going to the Nile. The Nile was also a god to them. Some people believe that they went out every morning and worshipped at the Nile. So here Pharaoh is possibly going out for his uh, worship time, if you will. And guess who's there? The 80-year-old that's causing problems. Don't you think Pharaoh saw Moses and wanted nothing to do with him? Have you ever been in that position? I've been on both sides of that. I've been on the position where I felt convicted and I saw somebody who was a spiritual influence in my life and I hid. I've also been in Walmart where I see somebody that used to come to church, hasn't been there in months, and I, hey, and they are already running to the freezer section. They want nothing to do with me. I've seen both sides. When you're not right with the Lord, you don't want to be around on fire people. You don't want to hear about what you're reading. You don't want to hear about what you're praying. You don't want to go to study. You don't want to spend time in worship. Just, just, I don't want to because it makes you feel uncomfortable. I really see Pharaoh seeing Moses and it's like, oh, you again. Blood, frogs, lice. Now what? Well, verse 21. 
Or else if you not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, on your people and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also on the ground on which they stand. And in that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. I will make a difference between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall be, and the Lord did so. Thick swarms of flies came into the house of Pharaoh and to his servants' houses and all the land of Egypt. And the land was corrupted because of the swarm of flies. I looked up that word thick, and I cannot find a good English word to define how thick swarms of flies are. I mean, this remember the frogs where you, you would, you're lay down and you lay down on a frog. Every step you take, you're stepping on a frog. Every time you open your cupboards, there's a frog. Okay, this idea of flies... I mean, if you've ever been in a swarm of flies, you're, you're swatting and you're kind of walking through. This, this is like a wall of flies. Like when you step, it's crunching. When, when, when it's just flies. We can't imagine what this is like. And these flies are now hitting here. Now, once again, if you're a note taker, I can't pronounce this. I'm going to try. Yudachit, Yudachit, U-A-T-C-H-I-T, was the Egyptian fly god. And here now, who has a fly god? But there's the fly god, and now he's being attacked. Now, a couple points on this as we kind of get, get going into this. Please do note this first time, verse 22. There's now a separation. Goshen is where the Jews lived. So there's a separation. This is now only on Egypt. Now, that leads us to a couple questions. Question number one, does that mean that the Jews were affected by the lice, the frogs, and the blood? Or is God just making a specific point here to tell Egypt, hey, to show my power? Because now think about this. You could kind of rationalize the, the previous miracles. When we did the blood thing, we talked about how some people said it really wasn't blood. It was this algae bloom. Okay, that's just natural. That just happens. When we did the frog thing. There's frog infestations. I mean, that really happens. And if you remember correctly, when Moses came to a Pharaoh and said, when do you want this to go? Pharaoh said, tomorrow. And we talked about how dumb that was. Why would you say tomorrow to get rid of the frogs? Maybe Pharaoh was thinking if this is just a natural occurrence, they'll go away on their own. The lice. There's lice infestations. Maybe this was natural. By God specifically saying, the land of Goshen will not be touched. There is no doubt that this is the hand of God. No doubt. Now, a quick teaching point. You know what this shows me? If God can separate good from bad over Egyptians versus Israelites, he can do the same in my life. But you know what else that shows me? When bad things happen in my life, my loving Father is also allowing things into my life to grow me. So when I sit there and I say, Lord, why? He could have stopped it. Go back and study Job. He put parameters on what was allowed to happen to Job. If you're battling something physical right now, the Lord is allowing that for a reason. If you're battling something emotional right now, the Lord is allowing that. If you're battling something spiritual, the Lord is allowing that. Now, part of that battle may be to teach you how to fight back. That's part of that battle may be to teach you how to have faith. I'm battling something right now. And it's just like, Lord, come on. I've asked you to get rid of this. I, I'm really, I'm really, I think I'm winning, Lord. I, I, you got my heart now. Okay, you molded me. Can we end this? And every day there's like another level of it. It's like, oh, Lord, come on. 
But I tell you, the, the situations I'm facing right now, I, I'm in the Word more than I've probably been in years. I'm in prayer more than I've been in years. I'm actually, and, and, and I know this sounds egotistical, and forgive me, I don't mean that. I'm actually calling up brothers and sisters saying, can I pray with you, please? Because I want that encouragement. I, I'm usually the one that answers the phone saying, yeah, I'll pray with you. Now I'm saying, will you pray with me? Because it's it just that it's teaching me to go deeper. So I love the separation. Don't get me wrong. There's a part of my flesh that loves to see the world get judged. I love it. Especially when Christians make it out. But when I'm part of that, Lord, what are you doing? But he separates Goshen to show his power. Finally, a breakthrough. Verse 25, Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go, go, sacrifice to your God in the land. Go, you win. Verse 26, and Moses said, It's not right to do so, for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, then will they not stone us? What is going on here? Pharaoh gave approval, go do your sacrifices, but do them here. Moses is saying, wait a second, if we go offer up sacrifices to our God in front of your gods, your Egyptians... Your Egyptians are going to get mad at us. That's why Pharaoh said, we need to go out into the wilderness. Real quick, great teaching point. God wants to separate you. He wants to get you out into the wilderness. He wants you to get up and spend time with him before the day gets going. Your wilderness. He wants you to find time during the day where you separate yourself from the hustle and bustle of life and just spend time in the word and prayer. Look at the example that Jesus sat. He was alone. David was alone. Paul was alone. How ignorant of us, how arrogant of us to think that we don't need time in the wilderness with the Lord. When I run into somebody who's feeling dry spiritually, I usually ask them, how's your time with the Lord? Usually it's not good. God wants us in the wilderness, not in Egypt. So what happens here? Verse 27, we will go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he will command us. Verse 28, so Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only that you should not go very far away. Intercede for me. Egypt represents the world. Pharaoh represents the people of the world. This is what I've noticed. The world is okay with Christianity as long as we don't push it. Be generic with words like God. Don't mention Jesus. Stay away from hell and stay away from sin. Talk about the love of God. Hence, verse uh, 25. Stay in the land. Do what you want. Church, just be a part of the community. Don't, don't do heaven. Don't do hell. Don't do Jesus. Just do good projects around the community. It's called social gospel. And let's just be known for doing good things and not, not be known for taking a stand on issues that divide. No, don't. Just stay in the land. We can't do that. Oh, the next one. Okay, don't, don't go in the wilderness. Verse 28, just don't go very far away. Okay, I understand you got the Jesus thing. I understand you love the Lord. Just don't go crazy with it. I mean, seriously, don't go crazy with it. Okay, you wear a shirt, cool. You bring your Bible to work, cool. You got a bumper sticker, okay. You go to church Sundays, okay. Wednesdays, you're pushing it. Just don't go too far. Did that ever happen to you when you got saved? A loved one came up and said, just, just don't take this Jesus thing too far. That's what Pharaoh is telling Moses. Stay in the land. Be part of us. 
Instead of the church being separate from the world, church adapt to the world. Nope, can't do that. Next one. Okay, fine. Church. Just don't take it too far. Just don't go too crazy. Nope, we can't do that either. We have to go in the wilderness. Guess what happens in Exodus 10? Pharaoh finally says, fine, go into the wilderness. But he says what? Don't take your, do you remember? Don't take your kids. Isn't that what the world says? Fine, the Jesus thing is fine for you. But don't push that on your children. I've read articles where raising your child in a Christ-centered home is the equivalent of brainwashing. Because you're brainwashing your child to believe in a six-day creation. You're brainwashing your child to believe that Jesus is the only way. So that's fine. You go do it. You're an adult. You go make those decisions, but don't bring other people with you. Moses says, no. Just be careful. Don't ever become the Christian that stays in the world. Don't become the Christian that says, fine, I won't push it too far. And don't become the Christian that says, my faith will just be personal and private. No. Publicly claim Jesus, defend Jesus, and get out there. Be a light and a witness in all that you do and all that you say. So what happens here, verse 29, Moses says, Indeed, I'm going out from you, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarm of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. But let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully anymore in letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Moses is basically saying, Come on, Pharaoh, don't pull a fast one on me. Verse 30, So Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarm of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people. Not one remained. I think that's as big as a miracle. Not one remained. Verse 32, but Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. Pharaoh runs into a category of people I like to call deal makers. They make deals with God. And they start saying things like, Lord, if you just do this, I will go to church. Lord, if you just do this, I'll take care of it. And I've seen deal makers. Lord, if you just heal my daughter. Lord, if you just heal my marriage. God's not looking to make a deal. He's looking for a complete self-sacrifice of who you are. God wants Pharaoh's heart because he loves Pharaoh. Don't ever forget that. He loves Pharaoh. It says here that the ground... Verse 24, the land was corrupted, depending on your translation. One translation says, thrown into chaos. One translation says, the ground was ruined. Egypt is completely falling apart. As we get to the plague of locusts, the wise men come to Pharaoh and say, Egypt is destroyed. Why are you not letting God win? Man, don't you see that in your loved ones? Their life is falling apart. Just submit to God. But sometimes we've got to learn the hard way. So here with Pharaoh, we start to see this deal making. Stay in the land. I can't. I've got to be separate for the Lord. Don't go too crazy with the Lord. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to go all out for him. Don't bring the kids. Nope. I'm going to take as many people as I can with me. That's what it's all about. Souls saved, disciples made, making an impact in where we live and where we work. Do that. I tell you this, one of the visions that we have out here at church and one of the things that we're going to hopefully start talking about in the next couple weeks is is this idea of um, knowing God, growing in God, and then sending. Going to where you work, to where you live, to here in the church, wherever God's called you, and say, I want to make a difference. Once again, you've heard me say this many times before, the concept of church 
that we do in America is not a biblical concept. The concept of church we do in America, hey, is everybody come, get fed, and I'll see you again in seven days. No. Come, get fed, I hope. Now go do something. Go do something throughout the week. Monday through Saturday, be on fire for Jesus and where you live and where you work and be passionate for him and make a difference. And then come back Sunday and let's refresh you, equip you and encourage you. And let's go do the whole thing again. Problem is, a lot of us feel very comfortable with just coming, being fed, and I'll see you in seven days. Man, the longer I study the Bible, the more I'm in the Gospels, the more I see the life of Jesus. He says, I want you. I want you because I love you. And since he loves us, he cares for us. And since he cares for us, we won't be obedient to what he has to say. I just want to encourage you with that. Anybody got any final questions, comments here? Ryan. Yep. Like a Baal? Yeah, like a Baal. Yeah. You know, Satan does the same things. He just changes his name every now and then. And, uh, yeah, Beelzebub was Lord of the Flies and the New Testament. Baal, jump ahead about 400 years. That's what the Philistines called him. Egypt just had tons and tons of gods here. And, and, I, and, and I don't mean to make a joke with this. I don't get the fly thing. When I see a fly, I do not think, wow, God, I don't. I'm sorry. I usually swat or spray. Um, but for some reason to the Egyptians, the idea of the fly was a powerful, powerful entity when you think about that with God. Shannon. That's a really good question. I was actually thinking about this because why didn't he? I can think of political reasons. I can think of spiritual reasons. Spiritual reasons is the Lord said no. I mean, that's the obvious answer. From a political reason, Moses as becoming this de facto leader, I think it maybe could have led to um, rebellion. And I wonder if Pharaoh is so prideful, so egotistical, that he never looked at Moses as a threat. You know, your, your, your God's not that powerful. It reminds me a little bit of Samson. You remember when Samson started playing mind games with Delilah? Delilah was like, hey, what's your power? Samson's like, oh, if you braid my hair, I lose my strength. Samson became so egotistical, became so prideful that he never thought he could be defeated. And that's why he toyed with this idea. I wonder if Pharaoh was so prideful, so egotistical that he never looked at Moses as a threat because he always thought his gods would win. And finally, this is so sad, finally when Pharaoh loses his own child, that it finally hits him. And then then Pharaoh goes into this fit of rage. He lets him go. And you know what happens. He chases him down. So I think spiritually the Lord's hand of protection was on Moses without a doubt. But I believe there was also some political and some pride issues going on with Pharaoh that affected it as well. That's just my opinion. Yeah, Kathy. Well, according to Charlton Heston, um, they were. There is nothing in secular history nor anything in biblical timeline to infer that they would have had that type of relationship. But Charlton Heston does not lie. So, anybody else have anything here before we close up? Hey, let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is good to be here this evening. And Lord, just looking at these points, Lord, help us to see the hand of God moving. And when we see it, help us to give you the glory. Lord, I also just think here of just the deal-making. Lord, we, we don't want to be in the world. 
We want to be in the wilderness going deeper with you. Lord, we, we don't want to just not take it too far. We, we want to take it too far, Lord, for you. And Lord, we don't want it just to be us. We want to take our kids, our loved ones, our friends, our family members. It's, it's all about souls. Help us to remember that. And as we go home this week, help us to be lights and witnesses in where you've called us to truly make a difference, Lord, in all that we say and do. Help us to be in the word and at the feet of Jesus. In your name, amen. So feel free to go. If you have anything you want to pray about, come on up. Let's have a word of prayer here. And uh, we'll fine-tune this system in the next couple weeks, and we'll see if God's in it.